In the beginning, the universe was created. This has made a lot of people very angry and has been widely regarded as a bad move. This show will attempt to find the good, the bad, and the weird, and convey them in a seriously irreverent way. Get ready, adventurer, and as always, we apologize for the inconvenience. Hi, I'm Steven. I'm Aaron. And I'm John. All right, we got in the studio with us today, Brian Gilliland. Hello. Gilliland. Oh, Gilliland. Gilliland. Oklahoma City filmmaker, fellow podcaster, talent extraordinaire, yeah. and director. Uh, well, uh, I, I get so, I don't, I, I'm always like paranoid about calling myself a director. Have you ever directed a movie? I have, well, I've directed a lot of shorts and music videos. Well, then you're a director. Well, well welcome, <laughs> welcome to the studio. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, well, thank you. It's thank really, you for it's really taking a Sunday here. afternoon out for us. Yeah, heck yeah. This is, you guys have a very, very sexy setup in here. Oh, oh nice. thank you. We do sexy. that every day, but uh, well, I can do sexy. You have no you idea how sexy it can get. <laughs> well, we spent a lot of time in here, just the three of us, getting the sexy yes. perfect mm-hmm. you've gotta, before you've we started bringing other sexiness. people in. Yeah, got to hone that sexy crap. That Justin Timberlake song, Bringing Sexy Back, was about us. Right. <laughs> he Building walked in, he saw all these mics, and was, was like, like they're bringing back. sexy it's back. back. It's very, very dense with we sex put the in this sex room. in podcast. Wait, and you put what? the ass in podcast. You put, yeah. the, you put the cast. Okay. That's okay, that's good. I said we put the casting couch in podcast. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, this there is you the go. podcasting couch. Yeah, there you go. The couch actually has a name. Uh, Does Willis. It really? What is it? Willis. Willis. Willis the wafty couch. Yeah. Willis doesn't say much. Except for what you're talking about. Right. <laughs> Willis Willis gets to hold everybody's asses and mm-hmm. just kind of keeps mom about that. Just gently caresses you. Yeah. Absolutely. But speaking of podcasts, you have probably the newest one in town called the Okie Show Show, yeah. right? Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's been, I'm really surprised at how well it's been received. It's, we're, we're doing well. That's awesome. How long have you been doing it? Uh, well, we just, we put our second episode up last Monday and then episode three featuring Army of Frankenstein goes up this Monday. Oh, okay. Army of Frankenstein. Yeah. So Which had on, Lucas Ross in it. You're on a Monday yeah. release schedule then. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> so, so are we. Bastards. Are you really? <laughs> yeah. Because really? yeah, yeah. we try to record on Sundays and then we, I, I try to put yeah. the episode out on Monday. Yep. I'm going to need you to move that to Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. I'm, produ- I'm producing another it's, podcast that's going to be on a Wednesday, war. so I'm going to have to... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> podcast wars. So, <laughs> right. But the subject of your podcast, though, is kind of uh, central to filmmaking, yeah. and uh, I guess in a generalized sense, right? Film, film and music and, and all the different aspects that go into it. So I, I like to talk to actors and directors and stuff, but I also like to talk to the below the liners, the, mm-hmm. the grips, the location managers, you know, the people that don't get a lot of attention that are absolutely pivotal parts of the entire process. I like that. Well, and like your um, second episode, which I, but I did, I don't remember her name, but, but, but I loved listening to it because I'd never really heard people just sit down and discuss this topic in depth, but you did an episode about being a voiceover actor. Yeah. Yeah. That and was with I've Rachel Messer. Seen, what's her name? And uh, Rachel Messer. She's a, she's a voice actress up in Tulsa. Mm-hmm. And she's an international voice actress. International, like, right? Right in our own town. Like, yeah, she does. Um, she does voice acting for a lot of shows in Japan. 
um, a lot of anime shows and stuff, and and she's like crazy accomplished. Like that that is what she does. Nice. And um, you know, and there's just a lot of best kept secrets, you know, found in these individuals around Oklahoma City and Tulsa. That you know, so many little gems that I. I have felt needed to have a spotlight on them for Absolutely. a long time. And, uh, and so we do that. We talk about all the different aspects. Like I talked with Kyle Reed um, last week. His episode doesn't go up until uh, the Monday after next. But like we talked about, rather than, you know, what's the inspiration behind your songs and stuff, we talked about, like, how do you market yourself as a musician? How do you get Is that Kyle Reed in the shows? Low Swinging Chariots, yes, Kyle sir. Reed? Yeah, okay. that guy. And he played some, some songs in his... Oh, Handmade man. cigar box gems. guitar, God, yeah, he's so good. Oh, you actually but, had him play some stuff in the studio. Yeah, on that? Isn't yeah. that fun? Oh, he's so great. Like he's he's in my mind, he's one of the most talented guys as far as musicians go. Like in Oklahoma City, like he's definitely up there. What are some of the films that he's done some music for? Oh gosh, um, or at least anything that we may have run into in the past year, yeah. like a Dead Center. He's or something. got such a specific sound. It's so. Um, kind of like old school jazzy Tom Waits. Oh, nice. That, um, I'm not really sure what, what films he's been in. I know he's been in a, a, in a right. few. I'd love to put him in one of mine. Yeah, so it's Cause bring like, him on board at some point in time yeah. and have him do some original Did you stuff. Did ask him why yeah. you had him in there? Well, I didn't ask him uh, if he'd been in any films. We didn't quite get to the to the film side of things, but we, um, yeah, I, I feel like he would go really well with a Coen Brothers movie. Ah, nice. nice. Excellent. Somebody needs to send his demo to, to the Coen brothers. <laughs> Maybe put him in a new episode of Fargo. Mm-hmm. So you had mentioned uh, Army of Frankensteins, and we went to the... Oh, what did they call it when they showed that over at the well, Little Rogers? Well, it's a riff track. The riff track was just brilliant. That was so that was, fun. That was so brilliant. Awesome. <laughs> like, and that, yeah, I... Uh, I, I was jealous of the comics that were up on I stage. Know, right? I was like, I yeah. want to be up there with them. He was up there with Spencer Hicks, Lucas Ross, um, um, the guy who won Comedian of the Year. I mm-hmm. can't remember his name. Mm-hmm. I don't um, remember his name gosh. either. And then another 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 previous winner of Comedian of the Year, I yeah. think. But yeah, so these guys did like a Four of them. Mystery Science Theater 3000 Rift Track style genius. viewing of Army of Frankenstein, which is a locally filmed yeah. sci-fi slash horror film. The most high concept film that I've seen made. <laughs> yeah. Like it, a movie and called Army travel. of Frankensteins, like that right. alone. This movie is going to be successful, like. But also involves a love story of some uh, grocery store workers from Crest. Yeah, so <laughs> a little army of darkness in there yes, as well. Yeah, right? yeah, I, yeah. That movie, I, I'm a big fan of that one because of what they did with very little, and um, I mean, just from the marketing of the whole thing to the, you know, to the eventual distribution. Like it's, just, it's they did, it's like they a, did do some great marketing and distribution yeah. for that. Well, they yeah, packed, that they like packed the Will Rogers it. Theater full of people. Yeah. Who had already seen the movie, but to come see it again yeah. and to introduce even more people to it, and what was great was I, I you know, I knew half the people in there, so I yeah. mean it was, and they it's, had the bar open, so it just felt like a huge party. It's just a big old and family reunion. Yeah, 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 yeah. They brought out a cake, yeah. 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 Oh, a cake yeah. and then there, there was a, there was a marriage proposal at the yeah. end. Yeah. Of yeah. Nate Bright, he got, <laughs> he got engaged. He's actually married now. They went and no, they yeah. got yeah. it. They got it done. Oh, oh, fast. Yeah, they just yeah. knocked that out. <laughs> just get this out of the way. We That's got how you do it, man. That's how you do it. Well, when you're busy. Yeah, spend the money on the honeymoon and the reception. That's yeah. right. So who did you have uh, on the show then for the for your Army of Frankenstein episode? So Army of Frankenstein's, we had Ryan Belgart, who was the director. I think he wrote it too. Or he was one of the writers. Um, 
So we had Ryan. Rhett Terrell eventually made it in. He was at an audition, and he was running late. I ha- that seems to be the story with most of the actors that we try to have on the shows. They're, they're, they're always in an audition or something. Yeah, so. yeah. They're, they're always <laughs> freaking busy. <laughs> yeah, they always they are. Be. But um, so we had Rhett, and then, oh gosh, I can't remember her name. She was the, the lead actress, not Jamie Harris, but um, one of the nurses. And then we had one of the producers that I also cannot remember. Oh, you had a pretty full uh, asshole. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, we've been there. We've been there too. So I have horrible names, but yeah, we, um, we talked to, we mostly talked about the distribution of the film. Mm -hmm. Like I I try to keep it onto one topic because like when you get in, when other filmmakers get in the same room, like we can talk about everything. Oh yeah. So I try to hone in on one specific subject which was the, the distribution process and all that. Mostly because I just wanted to know how the heck you did it. Right. Well, and I think <laughs> that's something that I think is interesting about what you're talking about is one thing to do a show about like a podcast about well, local Oklahoma film. Cause it's becoming, it's crazy to think that it's becoming a thing that's talked about a lot now. Mm-hmm. Like it's still growing, it's still booming dead center and all this other stuff. But like you're saying, there's a lot of there's not a lot of talk of the nitty gritty part. Like, yeah. well, wait a minute, yeah, the how did intricate you, details are. Really how did you important. light that scene? How did you yeah. get the distribution out? Who did you contact to market? How did you get this? You know, how did you cast it? How did you cast yeah. this? How do you do? Because that's the thing that people lose or they don't know when you're trying to break mm-hmm. into this kind of stuff. And that's the thing. Like for really, the show was born out of. First of all, I have a love for education. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom was a teacher. I used to teach. I used to substitute, actually. I, mean, I used to teach acting back in the day. Nice. And um, I, we have all these film students that are coming out of film school at O-Trip and OCU, and they're they're still very ill prepared. Mm-hmm. You know, because because they don't focus on that kind of stuff in film school. Like I went to OCCC. I got my film degree from there, and I didn't. I didn't realize how much I did not know until I actually showed up on my first set and was like, I don't know shit. Well, you know what? I feel like a lot of times that I talk to people that have graduated from film school or go to OU film school, a lot of the conversation tends to be stuff that they know about movies, right? not stuff about how to make a movie, about how to get a production on the road. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was kind of funny because we would get, at OCCC, we would get a lot of OU graduates, bachelor's degrees. And they'd come to OCCC to get their associate's degree because they still didn't know how to make a movie. That's they crazy. Could, they could theorize. They could then what the hell are they doing down philosophy. there? <laughs> well, exactly. Well, I mean, they're essentially what they're doing in a when you take a film studies just class, all survey of a bachelor's and survey of yeah, well, film like, studies. Yeah, it's okay. not film, film studies, and that's production. what they offer. Not film you. production. They film production. And a film studies program, like you're creating film critics. That's that's, yeah, what, that's exactly that's, what you're doing. Yeah, and that's yeah. That's, well, and that's a lot like, I mean, in a weird way, that's what, you know, ACM, where I work and where we're sitting right now is that was part of the sort of underlying thing is we don't just want to be a, a place that we're teaching. Yes, we teach you how to hone your guitar skills or hone your vocal mm-hmm. skills or work in the studio. But part of it is how do you get connected to the industry? Yeah. How do you go out from here yeah. and make a living doing this? Because that's what the goal is with all this stuff is these people love making music. They love making films. They love writing, whatever. Mm-hmm. But how do you get past, okay, I just spent a semester with you and I taught you how to edit in pro tools, right? Now you know how to edit in pro tools. 
well, how do you go find stuff to edit? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. How do you go meet the musician who needs, or the, the, yeah. the filmmaker who needs post production work? Yeah, or, because at the end of the day, this is a job. Like it's it's right. in the arts, and it's you know, you can be rich and famous, not likely, but you know, right. everybody has that. Let's look to the stars kind of mentality, but they forget at the end of the day, it's a job. Mm-hmm. This is a business, and there has to be a business before there's a show. Right, and uh, and you have to know how to run that business and treat it like that and treat it like a job and that goes for everything whether it's acting or directing or writing or you know being a grip and electric like you're well give us a little bit of insight as to how you kind of got your feet on the road that is a long story um so time. i went to <laughs> <laughs> we got all got yeah <laughs> um, so I, I got my film degree from OCCC. originally i was a broadcast major at o- at uco and um I figured out very quickly that I did not want to be involved in the news. I wanted to be involved yeah. in telling good re- call real stories yeah. that are not half the time fabricated. Not to knock the news or news people <laughs> or anything, but yeah, good call. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I graduated from film school and did a lot of day playing jobs just as like a grip and electric. Um, What's a grip? A grip is the, they are the construction workers on set. Basically, okay. they they're the ones who set up not the lights, but they set up the the fixtures to manipulate the light. The electrics are the ones who set up the actual lights and they deal with everything that can shock and kill you. Okay. <laughs> so there's so, a lot of trust to be put into the, yeah. Into gr- the grips and electrics are, are the, the tough guys on set. They're the big stocky dudes that carry okay. all the heavy stuff. But, um, I, I say that and then I, I'm <laughs> definitely not one of them, but, uh, yeah, so I, I did a lot of day playing and eventually I was also doing a lot of acting at the time, um, mostly because I was a college graduate that just needed money and yep. you do what you can, whether it's day playing as a low crew member or acting as a background extra or anything and, uh, doing many embarrassing things such for, as for the almighty dollar. <laughs> uh, gosh, as an actor, um, at one point I found myself stripped down to my knickers running down the street, uh, screaming how much I loved a Honda for a commercial. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> and, uh, I guess there's no better way to get your point across with yeah, something like yeah, that than I, to do it I, in your I, underwear. I that's you, right. Is that you something we should be outside out practicing? Out yeah, right. <laughs> Acting. But, um, eventually I was lucky enough to get an internship with a, a studio called Grapevine Media. And, uh, the, the guy who he eventually hired me on full time, uh, and it's James Price. He's the owner of Grapevine Media and he's, a brilliant guy and a really, really talented guy. Um, from there, I was since I was working full time in a studio, I started to get little freelance jobs on the side. And uh, the first feature film that I worked on was the Post Human Project. Oh, you worked is, on okay, yeah. And that was the the sound on that movie. In my mind, could have been so much better. <laughs> I've heard that before from yeah. somebody else. <laughs> I started off as a in in the world of sound. That's how I make my you know, make my real living now. That's what pays my bills is running production audio. And, uh, I had been just documentary up until that point. And so whenever I worked on the post-human project, suddenly I was doing narrative, which is a way different style of Mm -hmm. production audio. It's different, um, hiding of the mics and just a different technique and all that kind of stuff. And so it was a lot of learning as I went. Yeah. And, uh, from there I got an internship on, is that me? It is me. Sorry. 
You just put it on speaker. Oh, uh, oh yeah. That's <laughs> our first live caller. Yeah. There right. <laughs> Online um, one. But uh, so from there, I, I got an internship on Light from the Dark Room, directed by Lance McDaniel. And I got oh, okay. trained by Grant Province, who is, he's one of the best sound guys in the state. And, uh, and he's a good friend still. Um, and then from there, it just kind of, it just started taking off. Like I just started getting hired onto more and more freelance sound jobs, which put me on set and then gave me the, the ability to learn a lot of other aspects. Because when you're a boom operator, I, I tell a lot of people, if you, wanna, if you ever want to direct, uh, be a boom operator. Because it's the only position that you are on set next to the actors and you're able to listen directly to what the director's telling the actors and you're able to see you know, from a first person perspective of how they're constructing the scene. Because whenever, you, when you're shooting narrative, there is a construction aspect to it. Like there's, mm -hmm. there's rules that you're following. There's, you know, um, camera positioning. It's not just what's artistically beautiful. There's, there's a real some, construction. Some technical it. aspects yeah. to it. And, um, so yeah, boom operating has just been kind of been the best thing in the world. Yeah, boom operating is the person that's holding the, the giant yeah. microphone I work over the, pole, the baby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's gotta be an exhausting job. Um, it is for the first couple months, and then your body just starts to acclimate. It's to it. okay. Yeah. Does there. like one arm get stronger than the other? Or? This arm is definitely the tricep is definitely a lot <laughs> tougher than this one because I I boom left handed, so That's, the weight's always on this one. Sounds like a bumper so, sticker you'd have on your car. Yeah, I boom left handed. I boom left handed. No, so uh, like the Jimi yeah, Hendrix of boom left hand, Your left arm is the triceps really strong, and then your right shoulders okay really, because the offset of the weight. But uh, I love it, man. The boom operating is, is it's such a fun thing. I honestly like it a lot more than I do directing and producing stuff because nobody messes with the sound guy. You can, yeah. You're an island to yourself. So you like, we wrap your it, I leave. On, like, yeah. Just focusing on where that mic is. Yeah, and, as long as you don't get the boom in the shot. So then, would you say a director kind of holds sort of uh, what could potentially be like an an emotional position on the set where it kind of catches a lot of the brunt from the actors as well as trying to kind of keep people in check a little bit? Well, um, that is a, that's a kind of a common misconception for, um, there's a difference between a director and the first assistant director. The first assistant director I like to call the platoon soldier or the platoon sergeant. Uh -huh. He's the guy who controls the guys. And the director is the officer who, his main job is to talk directly to the actors. Okay. And then coordinate with the director of photography of like what he would like as far as, you know, where the camera's going to go and what he wants to convey through the image. Mm -hmm. But the director is not telling grips what to do and telling, you know, PAs to go run for stuff. That's the first AD's job. Okay. And um, that's a, I, I've seen many first time directors that they don't quite understand that division of. Uh, the division of labor there. Yeah. And it can turn into a cluster cuss really quickly if that happens. Yeah. So that reminds me, and this goes back to, I'm a huge nerd, and there's that saying of everything I need to know in life I learned from Star Trek. Right. You're describing the role of the captain and the first officer. Yeah. It's like the first officer keeps the ship running, makes mm -hmm. sure the schedules are on point. The captain yeah. is just focused on where are we going, what are we doing, and I'm the one that's going to yeah. talk to And that's the, extremely the pivotal that the, that the captain is focused on just this one thing because if he's focused on multiple things, then the story suffers and the performance from the actors suffer. So it's really important for him to be able to focus just on 
the performance in you know mm-hmm. just the scene because if he's stu- if he's if his mind's on logistics and all that kind of stuff then you know you just you lose focus and absolutely I think yeah. it's one I, when we were making the our forty eight hour film uh, Shane Smith was kind of he acted as a as a little bit of a mentor to me through the process and you know encouraging us to do it like just get out there and do it go do it yeah so always kind of giving pieces just checking in. And one of the pieces of advice he gave was, uh, don't worry about who's going to be the director. What you need to pick out is who's going to be your first assistant director, who's right. going to play that role. Yeah. Well, we all ended up playing that role. Right. We all, because we all realized that that was really where all the work lied. Oh, yeah. And we all just kind of picked up bits and pieces here and there. So we yeah. all shared the responsibility of it. But it was when I was done that it dawned on me how pivotal that role is oh, on a, a, on a, a movie set. set is nothing without a good first AD yeah. like I mean that that's that can make or break a movie like it doesn't have anything to do with the director it has to do with the first AD okay so now I have a lot more respect is, you know when because when, when I'm done watching a movie I always watch the whole I watch all the credits you know yeah. I want to see the name of everybody yeah. who worked on this and I now have a, a much deeper <laughs> admiration for the person who gets listed as the first AD oh yeah I think that's a really good angle, though, for a podcast, to be honest with you, because that's something, like I said, I think people miss out on is the behind the scenes information. It's where can I go Mm -hmm. to get that insider tidbit? I mean, we did a little bit of that when we started this one because we we were focusing on the places and things going on. But we really quickly were like, but we we don't want to just go and talk about H and eighth or whatever. We want to go and figure out who, who put this together yeah. and who are the people on the ground making this place yeah. mm-hmm. awesome. Whether that's a restaurant, like when faster hall opened, you know, we went there and mm-hmm. started talking to the bartenders and the wait staff and why are you here? Oh, you're from over here. And yeah. And I think that's the information people miss out on because it, right. It's when you watch that movie now, you can start to go back and be like, Oh yeah, the man, the grip must've had a hell of a time with this movie because <laughs> look at all that crap. And, yeah. And how did they? How did they even record audio when they're yeah. twenty feet away from the camera? And Dude, working on sets has ruined movies for me. Yeah, I, like, <laughs> I can't go to see a movie like Star Wars is coming up, and I'm I'm like losing my mind over this movie. But at the same time, it's that exact thing of like the first AD must have torn his hair out on this movie. Yeah, like, <laughs> and I had that same thing coming from audio background as I started watching and getting into that into post production stuff like that and watching movies and listening and being like, oh yeah. yeah. I mean, it's crazy, too, because you can go and catch things like we we freaked out about Interstellar when it came out. And there was some hoopla about the audio in that movie. And at first it was like, well, maybe you're right. But then, in my opinion, it was like, no, those were specific choices made yeah, for a reason. Yeah, I didn't understand that, out, that at all. But it's fun. There's actually a couple of spots in the movie you can catch dialogue out of sync. Oh, really? Yeah, I've caught it like two times specifically. Uh. There's There's really bad dialogue. And there's one time where they tricked you by showing you the back of Matthew, Matthew yeah. McConaughey's head yeah. while he was saying something. And you could tell if you watch his jaw, that's not what that's he was not, saying. Yeah, yeah. But in the scene. And that's so it's really fun to catch stuff ADR. like that, even in these big, major, multi-million dollar oh, yeah. yeah, I mean, movies. even in our seven-minute film, we had to do ADR where you could still yeah. kind of... There's some... Yeah, I, I like to watch movies with um, my headphones in because, like... Yeah. Just, be, just because I know microphones now, like, I can... I like to play a game of, like, was it a lob or was it a shotgun? You know, right. like picking out <laughs> wow. what it was. Was it, a, was, was it a, a wire, a lav, or was it? Did they use the shotgun? Or, or which type of mic, which was was mic did they use? Yeah, okay. Because like you can tell that you just you can when you do it for a living, you can tell what kind of mic they use, yeah. and uh, and then also picking out bad ADR, like when yeah. you're talking about things that are out of sync, like 
Because every movie, no matter what the budget is, almost every single movie has ADR at some point. And that's additional dialogue recording? That is... Um, yeah. Is that what it stands for? It's automated dialogue replacement. Automated dialogue replacement. Yeah. Okay. Which I've never understood that. It's not automated. Yeah, where's the automation coming in? Additional dialogue And you're recording to a loop. Yeah. Oh, okay. I do the same thing now, too, with cam. Like, I've gotten so into video and different technologies and that. Like, I'm really intrigued on camera movement oh, and, yeah. like, watching something. Like, how did they do that? Yeah. Still to this day, there's a shot in one of my favorites in the movie Contact that still to this day, I don't quite know how they pulled it off. Right. But they're chasing this girl through the house as her dad is dying. She's going for the medicine in the cabinet or whatever. Oh, when she's running downstairs. And so they, they follow her through this house and they, they go upstairs into the bathroom. And then when they get to the bathroom, it pulls back. And somehow it, it's acting like they filmed through the bathroom mirror the whole time. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, like, because then you see her in the mirror, but right. nothing it ever moves. It follows her into the bathroom, well, and then it backs out, and you realize that you saw her through the You were seeing yeah. her through the mirror. So at some point, the camera transitioned. And that's an older movie. That's from, like, yeah. the 80s, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. 90s, yeah. Is it mid late 90s? Late 90s. Because that would have been late all 90s. practical. That wouldn't yeah. have been... Yeah, and it's... Uh, I think it's... Effects. Was that a Robert Zemeckis film? No. No, um, no, it had Matthew McConaughey in it, and it's, yeah. it was Carl Sagan, and a lot of people call Interstellar the you know it the is, remake of Contact. Well, uh, um, the lady who had I forget her name, but she worked with Kip on Interstellar. Yes, she was, was the one. The she that, actually was the same. Almost all the producer, same people worked on Interstellar. It's Contact. It was Zemeckis. Yeah. Yeah. It was Zemeckis. Wow. So yeah, I don't. Man, I, I'm gonna have to see that now. And it wasn't no, until after movie. Interstellar, I watched it recently, and I was watching that shot, and I was like, "Whoa, wait a minute! Like, how did they do that? Like." Some point the camera transitioned, yeah. but it was so well done that you can't. I had the same feeling when I when I watched Birdman. Yeah, I still haven't seen that movie. Did you Birdman, like Birdman? Was, I know I, it won the Oscar. You know, for honestly, best I was picture, so distracted but... with how they pulled it off that like the story was secondary to me because okay. I was just like because I knew um, Grant Province, my my uh, sound mixer friend, he was telling me some of the ways that they pulled off just getting the audio because the scene wherever he's. He's outside and he's just in his underwear. Mm -hmm. You can't have a wire on at right. all. So that was 100% boom, and uh, and he's you know walking through all these different sets and stuff. So there is a very coordinated choreography of boom operators. There are multiple boom operators working, and so I, when I'm watching the scene, like you start to analyze like how the hell. Well, isn't it? Right. I, I haven't seen it, but from what I understand. Aren't a lot of the shots like just one shot that's the, very the long? The whole movie is one consecutive so, shot. It's it's multiple shots, but is they, it actually one consecutive shot, or is it made to look like one consecutive? A lot shot. of it is in made. the spirit of rope. It's it's made to look like one when it's actually multiple. <laughs> okay, <laughs> yeah. it does have this feeling though. It creates this really interesting feeling of never being pulled out of. Yeah. The there are no transitions. Some, well, and yeah. that's the thing, though. There are these really crazy transitions where they're doing something, and then yeah, all like of a sudden, or the camera pans around, and now they're on stage in the play. Yeah. Whereas before, they were in the dressing room having a conversation, and the interesting, and both yeah. the scene and I the conversation transitions into the next film yeah. scene. It's, it's almost like a stage oh, play. Cool. Way it, it is. Out. It was a really amazing. Which was it? Was it the Weird Al Yankovic video that was done making fun of the song "Happy"? Where they Tacky. there's kind of a little documentary about how they did all this. Mm -hmm. is this yeah, single shot stuff. Is this where they make where yeah. they, yeah, they yeah, had yeah. to go through the window? Yes, and then and yes, it just, yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, they just showed how they had the series. Everybody was set up and ready to go, and people would move through mm -hmm. everything and touch with each boom person that was set up. Yeah, or they would suddenly have to clip somebody. 
onto right. the rigging. Yeah. Um, oh, wait, no, that wasn't the word I think of. I know what you're that? talking about. Oh, no, yeah. you're talking about, um, We well, I showed you guys that video when, you'll be familiar with this, the, when DJI came out with the Ronin and they started having yeah. these stabilizers. That was it. Yeah. They made this short and it was this action short and it's all one continuous shot, but you follow these guys from the roof, down these stairs, through windows, into this car chase. Okay. So yeah. it's not yeah. a weird Yankovic video. It was it's not, but that's yeah. a similar concept. Yeah. But they take the camera off of one contraption and then plug it they onto another contraption? They show you the behind the scenes of that, and it's literally like that. The thing is so stable that they'll, they'll be carrying it down the hallway, and then this other guy will have a rig and he'll hook it on and then they'll drop it down the middle of a stairwell yeah. and another guy will pick it up and then they'll take it and pass it through a window. Man. But because the that rig itself so cool. is so stabilized, it looks yeah. mm-hmm. very smooth. Yeah, the, and the, the Ronin and uh, what's the other one? The uh, mo- uh, Free Movie. Fly Movie. Movie. Yeah. So the, Ronin, the that's the, the name of that camera. And there's that's another That's the name one? of the stabilizer. Well, the, the stabilizer no, the system is called the Movie and then the Ronin's kind of like the better version of it. Yeah. That, that, that's up for debate. Yeah, in my mind, it's... But that's the other thing that that's harder nowadays is the technology is starting to develop some of crazy. these things that stuff like that wouldn't have been possible yeah. at right. all in the yeah. past. Like, you could never have filmed that in the past and achieved that So same. I got a technical question. When you're using, uh, putting your camera in the Ronin and it's moving across all those places and it's moving through each person stage there with the boom mic... Where is all the where's the recording going to? Are all those boom mics attached to cables that are all running to one central recording device? Or are they all well, individually recorded? And then you have to put them together on, mm-hmm. on tracks like we that do is, our podcast? That is a yeah. good then, question. Um, so what we do normally is we'll time code jam. So everything is synced synchronized by the time of day. And so like I'll have a on the uh, mixer, you'll have a um, basically like the mother time code. So it's like going at a very specific time, and um, and then you'll jam sync to the cameras. So everything that's going into the sound mixer is completely separate from the camera. So nothing's going into the camera except for like maybe a reference audio through. We call it a hop. It's just a little track that goes into it. But uh, the booms are wirelessly connected to the mixer. Wireless. Yeah, everything's wireless. I. I, I've had to be hard hardwired into a mixer one time. That was not fun. It's it's really really complicated. But uh, yeah, everything's wireless, and uh, so everything's kind of broadcasting into the mixer. And it's just it's really really high dollar equipment that there's no loss in quality or anything like that. Nice. It's, it's really. There are some more um, nitty gritty ways of doing that nowadays. <laughs> and again, technology has changed because like what you're talking about and the few things that we did. There's software even built into a lot of the editors now that can take audio tracks and simply look at the the Mm. transients and the waveforms of those audio tracks and line it up. So like you're saying, if your camera's got even the crappiest of raw audio coming Mm -hmm. on and you've recorded a high-quality version on another device, nowadays you can dump that into software and just say, hey, line those two up, and it'll sit there and fire them all and go, whoop, oh, there they go. Sound guys, that is part of our job is syncing. Yeah. So it's it's our responsibility to make sure that the audio is able to sync with the video once it it's yeah. go, it goes into post. So like we'll time code jam, we'll do a reference hop into the camera, uh, which is just the reference audio, and then we'll and then we usually have responsibility over the slate. Yeah. We supply Still the slate. The Second AC is the one who actually runs the slate, but you have a smart slate which is time code jammed. So that's when you see the running numbers right. on the on the actual slate, the clapper, and then we have what's called a dumb slate, which is when it's just like there's like there's right no on the chalk or something yeah, yeah yeah and so that's a visual cue that's what the slate is actually for is the visual cue for you have a visual cue of contact and then you have the audio cue of the 
sound. Mm-hmm. And so that's what you use to sync it up. That's how they did old school. And then yeah. we have time code and, you know, hops and everything. So there's three backups for okay. sound syncing. Yeah. So if if you're doing your job right, it shouldn't be a problem in post. <laughs> Sometimes things happen, but yeah. Well, the well, so one of the first, or the way that we got introduced to you, obviously, was from Dead Center this year. Not Dead and Center, 48 Hour Film. I'm sorry, 40, my yeah, bad, yeah, my yeah. bad. 48 Hour Film, sorry Dead Center that. next year, yes. Dead Center next yes. year. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, you guys um, took the honors at you know, 48 Hour Film Festival with your movie Broad Squad. Broad Squad, yep. Which you Which played. not only did it win the Best Picture, it won more awards than that. We got, yeah. uh, let's see, we got Audience Choice, we got Best of OKC, Best Screenplay, I think, Best Editing, Best Directing. Yeah, uh, man, you swept Best it. Actress. Yeah, yeah we, 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 yeah, the, and the team deserved every single yeah. thing. Yeah, like well, it I was, mean, it, when that, when we were watching at the event and your film came on, I mean, from my perspective, I was just like, oh, okay. Yeah, that's it. This <laughs> one. This one, yeah, well, I mean, it's pretty easy to see. Yeah. And it it wasn't even like a deep analysis to be honest. It just it felt more coherent than some of the others. Like I mean, there were some great films, and I don't yeah. take me wrong. You know, our, I think our film even turned out about three or four times better than I thought it was going right. to. But there was just something about it, and I I don't know if it was. It felt like you weren't really. I mean, you, obviously you took it seriously because it was very well done. But if it, maybe you were weren't taking yourself as seriously, right. and you just let it be fun and let this. Weird well, that was story you know, play out. going in. That was a big priority because you know I think a lot of times with the forty-eight hour film race, people get a little overly competitive, mm-hmm. and so it you know and stressed. Yeah, and you know it just becomes more about the spectacle than it does about the the fun. You know, all of us. First of all, everybody that was on our team, every single one of us are industry professionals, so we do it for a living. Mm-hmm. We're on set for a living, and and for this, no one's getting paid. So, you know, if having fun is not the number one priority, then that's going to really You know, suck. I think that might be one of the things, too, that made us such a crowd favorite because that came through really well. Yeah. You could tell that everybody that worked on that movie was having a really good time yeah. making that film. That's because the, that was priority the number The humor one. was spot on. Um, I mean, there's quite a few laugh-out-loud moments in but, that movie. Yeah, not only were you guys having a good time, you... you did not half-ass anything in that film. I mean, yeah, everything well, was just I mean, so well done. Yeah, like I said, I mean, everybody on the team was um, an industry professional. Yeah. So, I mean, and we had a very specific division of positions and everything. I mean, it was set up exactly like a movie would be. Um, we had a killer first AD. Amanda Hyden's the best first AD I've ever worked with. And, um, yeah, I mean, like, it was, a, it was a very organic kind of thing. Like, there, we didn't have the ending solid until... Like, we had everything written. We had the script written by midnight of the day that we got the right. prompts. But we weren't dead set on the ending. It just didn't land. Um, and so, like, it was just a really organic, like, as we were shooting the scenes, like, a joke would come up and we'd, you know, kind of tweak it a little bit and, mm-hmm. and you know, make the joke land a little stronger or, you know. Right. You know, all of us, myself and Patrick Kirk, who was the director on it, um, I do occasional stand-up and everything, and he's a brilliant comedy writer. Like we, we comedy is a really, really tough genre, but it's also, oh, yeah. you know, there's a science to it. There's a lot of, you know, timing. Yeah, for one. Yeah, and it's it's just a constantly developing kind of thing. Well, when we were talking to you at the 48 Hour Film Festival, I think one of the funny kind of anecdotes that you had mentioned in terms of 
casting and who was going to play what was how now what was the what was the evil guy's name in the movie <laughs> it was the phantasm the phantasm yeah. so how did you wind up playing the phantasm to like well okay. kind of relate to what you told us at the so the phantasm well, on, before you say who the phantasm was because i don't think everybody listening has seen the film so right. real quick what was the okay. short about and then who was the phantasm right. So uh, the Broad Squad was the story of a retired spy um, who her son is kidnapped by an evil mastermind known as the Phantasm. <laughs> and so she gets the, the old band back together known as the Broad Squad to go rescue her son. So, yeah. Spelled it, it, B-R-A apostrophe D. Right. The Broad Squad. And it's all, it's all women. Yes. And I, I will... Make sure everyone knows that we had a mostly female writing team. Yeah. <laughs> so they're yeah. the ones that they're came, the ones that came up with it. Not squad. me. <laughs> yeah. And they did an awesome job of it. Yeah. yeah. But apparently you had, you had I guess, in the, in the midst of beginning the production, had ran off to the bathroom? I, I had run off to the bathroom, <laughs> and then I came back and... Uh, and then was informed, hey, you're going to be the bad guy. And I was like, oh, oh. okay. <laughs> but at the time, we didn't have any idea, like, what, what did that mean? Right. And I had this character that I've, I've done in improv for many, many years called the Phantasm. And originally, he was supposed to be, like, a, uh, almost like a wizard, mm-hmm. like an evil wizard. Um, just, like, a guy who went to comic cons a bit too much you know i would describe him as, as a lot of a lot of the phantasm characters movements as, as the way you played him it seemed like there were a lot of flourishes yeah yeah the word I would flamboyant guy. Yes. Like, but yeah it was like um when we put it in the movie he became more of a snidely whiplash dr evil <laughs> kind of guy yeah and uh just really dumb with confidence and um but the character, like the core of the character, had been around for a really long time. The, you know, the the voice and everything, and the flamboyant movements and all really, that. Yeah, I guess he was yeah. kind of like the classic sort of dumb, bumbling bad <laughs> yeah, guy. Yeah, you know, yeah. sort of like the the really inept evil person that wants to do bad, but he just he, he can't little, make little it work. It's the only Wiley time Coyote that you can have a bad guy. Yeah, there you go, like Wiley Coyote. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was just he's evil and he doesn't even know but why. I almost like <laughs> Like I could see him at even like a fancy dinner party wearing a top hat and a monocle yeah. and the little cigarillo, yeah. you know, and the plastic holder yeah. sticking out. And he, ne- he needed a mustache. He, uh, yeah, he needed, the, he ended up he needed a the Peter Von Pussy Chin mustache. Yeah. His 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 bark is worse than his bite. I guess yeah, exactly. Yeah. He was like, he's evil for no reason other than to be evil. <laughs> but it's that, it's that organic. That I, I mean, that, the way what you're describing there to me is is kind of an anecdote of what it means for something to grow organically yeah. on a film set. Yeah. Because one of the pieces of advice that we had also been given, which we didn't really understand the value of it, of course, until it was all over, but when you're trying to make something that quick, it's really important that you do have talented actors, yeah. and not just someone up the street, but not just talented actors, but people versed in um, improv. Yeah. People who oh, yeah. really know how to take something and quickly internalize it and then just turn it out yeah. right there on the set. Or taking an old improv character named Phantasm and adjusting it a little bit to fit mm-hmm. this piece and then just whipping it out. Well, yeah, I mean, like every one of our actors, the, the main actors were all like actual actors, like, and they were all really, really versed in improv. A lot of the bit roles went to crew members, which is always fun. Mm-hmm. My the Phantasm's associate, known as Johnson, he's actually <laughs> a group in electric uh, named James Ray, and but he just had the perfect voice for that character, just like really. <laughs> He, he was. He was a perfect sidekick. Wasn't he like, yeah, a, like yeah. a bigger guy? Yeah, he was way taller than yeah. me. And uh, but he has, he has the voice of Kiff from Futurama, 
And so we just decided, you are Kiff. Just, just be Kiff. Just be Kiff. <laughs> yeah. And it just it played so well next to the flamboyant, Phantasm, yes. you know, it's going to take over the world. And then this very, you know, just kind of boring guy, like, okay. Okay. <laughs> it was just a fun contrast. But, uh, and Johnson's actually been around for a really long, too, long time, too. Johnson? Um, Johnson, the associate Johnson, uh, he was he was the sidekick character, but he Johnson has been around for many 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 years uh, in the same improv scenario, but he oh, okay. was just never seen. He was always referred to, just, but we, never no visual. one ever saw him. Okay, Everyone gotcha. was always referring off off stage to Johnson, right? You know, with the phantasm or with you know a few other characters. But th- it was just really fun to actually see Johnson see finally. <laughs> <laughs> There he is. Yeah. <laughs> and he, I mean, like, he's, he, James played it exactly like nobody else could have played that character. Like, he he just killed it. That's awesome. And now, if anybody wants to see it, it'll be featured in Dead Center. Dead Center, yep. yeah. In 2016. If, if you win a 48-hour film, you're automatically entered into Dead Center. Yep. Into the shorts program. Yeah, and um, we also are going into the next round of 48-hour films, which is... Are you really? Yeah. It moved on. Yeah, so now it's competing with international winners. Uh, Nice. And that'll be in Georgia, I think in March. Fantastic. And if you win there, does it... Do you then go to Cannes? there, it gets to go to... It's either Cannes Film Festival or... Toronto? That's crazy. Something. Yeah, it goes on to a really big... Big film festival. They say that forty-hour film won't. says that <laughs> says that that is the fastest route into Cannes Film Festival. Really, it's through forty-eight-hour film because you could wow. make a film that just it continues to go on, and after winning maybe only five times in less than a year, you could suddenly find yourself at Cannes. That's you know well, if you fingers crossed. Yeah, that can't <laughs> happen. That's it's yeah that is it can uh, happen. Uh, <laughs> uh, bad. <laughs> I it's like all it. this coffee. Oh, what else? What else do you have coming up that we can look forward to from you? Would, uh, um, tell us again about the podcast, the name when it yeah, comes out. Yeah, so uh, the Oki Show Show is available on iTunes. Um, it's a new episode every Monday. Um, we've got Army of Frankenstein's coming up, and then Kyle Reed coming up after that. I, awesome. I kind of backlog the interviews and then store, you know, kind yeah, of gather them up and then we, then distribute them. Absolutely. So that way, I'm not like racing to get one done. Nope. Because I, I, yeah, I'm super busy. But, um, so yeah, we have that. Um, there's a, I just got to go to the Limber Limbs CD release show last that night. That was last, and, yeah, last night. Yeah. Say it again? And the Limber Limbs, Limber Limbs, they're a local band, an okay. indie band that I got to do their music video for okay. their most recent I, I hadn't heard that name yet. So, oh my God. Was that at the God. conservatory? Yeah. It's not the conservatory. Yeah, I guess it's, it's not like the, the 89th Street Collective. Collective. Yeah. It's weird. Do they still have the toilet paper on chains on the wall, or did they make it they nicer? Actually, they actually, they filled in the holes in the bathroom, nice. so you can't see... What? You can't see the world outside while you're <laughs> peeing anymore. I was very pleasantly surprised with that. Yeah, people used to always complain about the high-low bathrooms. It's like, have you been to the conservatory bathroom? Does it still yeah, look like an abandoned building, though? It does totally it, does. Does it still look like, like you yeah. pull up, you're like, are you sure It looks like it should place? be in The Walking Dead. Right, yeah. Yeah. it totally does. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so... Um, Got to see their their CD release show last night, and the only reason I bring that up is because I got to direct their music video, which we were talking about one shot wonders, and the music video was this single take, the whole thing's one shot, and it's weaving through all these different rooms, and the entire thing is in reverse. Nice, that's so, awesome. Yeah, so check out Limber Limbs and 
check out their music video and, and see. It's the same team that did Broad Squad, um, but in a more of a serious capacity. Right. And it was it turned out pretty freaking cool. <laughs> there nice. was um, I think the band Group Love had a video that was kind of similar to that. Is that right? I don't know. But it's kind of in reverse, I, was, I think. I You're talking a about a band I've never heard of. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, you've probably heard the song. Um, Obscure. Anyway, reference. that it was a really good. It was a really good video and got a lot of attention virally. Um, but it was it was kind of a similar concept. I yeah. haven't seen. I don't know what your video is like, but it was there was like a lot of reverse action. Yeah. In it, um, that made Ours, it kind of unique. This one, uh, everything is happening in reverse except for the main character. So it stays on a medium. Oh wow! Okay, this one was not like that. Forward and everything else is moving in reverse. That's it's cool. A real, I don't know if I can drop the f bomb, but it's you a, can. It's oh, a yeah. oh, you fuck. can. <laughs> it's a mind fuck. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. That's absolutely awesome. Well, I just flipped off our camera. <laughs> So how, what? Uh, where did the name um, the Oki Show Show come from? How did you come up with that uh, name? That name has been around for. I first of all, I've wanted to do the show for many, many years, like since the days back whenever I was at Grapevine Media, um, and I, I just, it's it's a play on. We're talking about all the shows that are happening around here. Uh -huh. So it's the Oki Show Show. Show. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. So, and that show could be a music show, or it can be an art show. It can be a film show. You know, we whenever it's you're a show about on a shows. film, yeah, it's a show about shows. So the Oki Show show, yeah. And um, our logo, I gotta, I gotta make a shout out to Clint Walkingstick. He's the guy who did our logo, and the logo is freaking awesome. Yeah, it's pretty nice. Yeah, like he re he did a killer job on that, and he does graphics design, and he's really, really good. If you need a logo done, contact Clint Walkingstick at walkingstickdesign.com. <laughs> Well done, Clint. <laughs> that's yeah. awesome. Well, while you're plugging, so you've going back to your partnership with Patrick. That's changed. It has changed recently. Yeah, we um, we decided to go in. He was wanting to go in the more corporate route, and I was I was interested more in doing the narrative film. Mm -hmm. So we we figured it would be best if we went ahead and and um, just went our separate ways in those capacities. So and he's still continuing on. So Indian Head still exists. Um, or well, did he change that? We were changing the name. Uh, the name has become Prairie Dog Pictures, mm -hmm. and so and that has followed me. And then Patrick, I think is I I haven't talked to him in a while, in like a week. But um, I think he's just wanting to basically do like a sole proprietorship kind okay. of thing, and just kind of you know he's just wanting to follow his own path. So you guys officed over there in the Paramount? Yes. Yeah. Okay. We still office together on the third floor, like right next to Weir in Productions and the Lost Ogles right across. And I would say us. Lost Ogles over there. Yeah. Jack Fowler's over there. Yeah. He pops his head in every once in a while. And then it's always kind of like <laughs> the Lost Ogle. That's weird. Wow. What's up? Cool. What's up, Patrick? Yeah. <laughs> you little mole. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's cool that there's so, so many interesting, um, institutions, housed oh, in that in that one the building. The Paramount is an it's it's an incubator. Like it totally it, is. And now there's like, the Well, the, the Noir Bistro just the Noir opened Bistro's up. Noir Bistro's opened yeah. up over there now and Yeah, and they have live music. My wife played a show there a couple oh, yeah, days ago. I forgot that was going. What in. does she do? She, well, um, my wife and I play in a band called Ophidelis and uh, it's like a little folk duet. I've heard of that. Yeah. That's you? Yeah. Love it. Yeah. I I multitask, man. I guess so. <laughs> That's really cool. I get bored. I had to <laughs> I get bored. <laughs> How do you get bored? <laughs> what the hell? I, I get I get 
really anxious whenever I don't have anything to do. Right. So like, I don't know. I think it's I feel like, like that's a disease that is spreading through. <laughs> it is. I think it is. It's an addiction to work. I've got 10 minutes of free time. What do I do? Well, that's what Johnny Payne was saying. I got 10 minutes of free time. What can I squeeze in there? Yeah, exactly. Let's open up a restaurant. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, so she plays solo. She's she's crazy talented. What does she play? Uh, she plays ukulele and then she plays the drums at the same time. Nice. Uh, and then she'll kind of switch off on like guitar and glockenspiel. So if you ever come to see an Ophidella show, I play the guitar and the banjo, and that's it. You play that banjo? It. A little bit of banjo. Not not Lucas Ross kind of banjo, but I can get by. Um, that dude can play. So have you ever guy, have you guys ever done dueling banjos together then at any He's, point in time? Lucas has played on a couple things with us. Before. So he doesn't at least bring you in on the mornings just to, just to I would bust one that. out? I would, I, I've wanted to crash the, their, their set a couple times. All right, well, there you go, Lucas. Bring Brian on <laughs> to the show. <laughs> yeah. I like this idea of crashing the set. I do you, like the idea of crashing oh, yeah. the set. Yeah. Let's do it, guys. Let's just okay. barge right now. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. When does he, when, when do they, is that, that's not live, is it? Yeah, it yes, I it think is. it is live. Yeah, it is live. You yeah. are crashing, but we, but we, yeah, like we were talking about. That means you got to wake up early. Up. <laughs> oh, that, yeah. that's what that's what keeps me from crashing their set. Yeah. <laughs> that's and, well, that's uh, like when Candace Scott Mitchell invited us on to their show. Like, oh, I'm gonna wake up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm supposed to. I'm supposed to get out of bed before eight. What are you talking about? Yeah, I don't that's like. I don't like arriving places for work before the sun is up. Yeah, that's uh, ridiculous. Yeah, especially when you work in film, like you're you're going back and forth between night shoots and day shoots, so your sleep schedule is just completely fucked. Like yeah, one hundred percent. But five in the morning is painful. Oh man, really painful. It's the worst. All right. Well, what? So you have a website for the the podcast as well? Is that right? Yes. Um, Again, it's on iTunes. You can go to iTunes Podcasts and just search for Okie Show Show, and it'll show. I did notice there's two entries on there. It looked like. Well, I don't know if that'll take some time to maybe filter out. Yeah, yeah. It was kind of funny because we we published our first episode and then um, the the split with India had happened and so the website was shut down. Mm-hmm. Not realizing that that would kill the That had the, the RSS source. feed on it? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So, I, uh, so you can go to prairiedogpictures.com slash blog and it's housed there and you can okay. actually read the blog that's with each podcast or you can go to iTunes Podcasts. And click on the one that's with Prairie Dog Pictures. Okay. And then do you have a, are you currently working on a film that that we might be seeing sometime soon as well? Anything that um, you can give us any info about on that? So the the music video, the Limber Limbs music video is going to be going to Dead Center, hopefully, nice. knock on wood. Um, and then I'm working on two shorts. One's an older one called The Suspicious Engagement, which is, it's kind of a fun, almost in the vein of Broad Squad. It's about this guy that gets interrogated by two bumbling bad guys and mm-hmm. you know comedy ensues and then there's a third short that i shot earlier this summer with kate brazzle okay and it's called echo and it's my first attempt of doing like an actual horror drama kind of thing wow. I'm, I'm usually a comedy guy but it was just kind of stretching those muscles mm-hmm. of like just trying something different so echo is going to be coming out hopefully to dead center and then i have a short that is um currently in producers meetings that actually has a budget um that i'm going to be directing that it's a it's a i don't know if i can talk about it very much but you're going to be jumping into the director seat again yeah i got well i got hired on to to be a director on this one and um she saw the producer saw the music video and a couple other shorts and uh-huh. she you know wanted me to jump on board and i saw the subject matter it's a, it's a uh 
war um, courtroom drama. And uh, what we're doing is just a sizzle reel for it. So it's a really, really short film version of the actual big feature that they're going to be coming out okay. with. And um, there's some pretty cool big names that are attached to it. And nice. So we'll see. That's I can't, exciting. I can't really talk too sure. much about yeah, it. Yeah, but that's but, cool. That's, yeah. But uh, yeah. So it's in the works. Be, yes. So we, we, as soon as we can get some battle rattle and stuff, we'll be making that happen. All right. Well, Battle thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, yeah so man. Awesome thanks for having me. This is cool. This is great. Yeah. yeah, lots of cool stuff coming in the future. Yep. Right on. All right. We'll see you around. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to the Wafty Show with Stephen, Aaron, and John. As always, we need to thank Joshua Path for the use of our theme song "Cement Truck" off the album "Between Heaven and Jonestown," recorded by the magnificent Kurt PR. Kurt's awesome. That is available on iTunes, CD Baby, and anywhere the internet can be found. Remember, as you go out to visit our local places and events, make sure you take care of those who take care of you. Tip your waiters, waitresses, bartenders, musicians, and artists. They're out there working hard for you. One of our favorite adventures is the Escape OKC. Wafty listeners get an exclusive discount when they use the coupon code listen to wafty That's listen the number 2 W-A-F-T-I. Visit theescapeokc.com and book your room now. You can help us continue our urban adventures by going to our website, www.waftyshow.com, and clicking on Support Us, where you will find a variety of ways to contribute, including becoming a Wafty Knight, which will grant you access to our exclusive content. We come out with a new episode every Monday. You can find us on iTunes by searching We Apologize for the Inconvenience, where you can subscribe, rate, and comment. We're on soundcloud.com slash show. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Wafty Show, Facebook.com slash Wafty Show, and of course, www.waftyshow.com. We'll, we'll see you next week. week. Woo!